is the Cloud Hub Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. Welcome to the Cloud and Out podcast. My name is Michael and today Andreas will not be in the show. So he is on parental leave until end of year. So that's why I'm going to host the show today. Andreas and I, we are on a mission to explore Amazon Web Services. Listen to the Cloud and Out podcast to deepen your AWS knowledge, stay up to date and be inspired. This is episode number 42 and today is August the 25th of 2021. We launched Cloud.NOT.io in 2015. Since then, we have published hundreds of articles, podcast episodes and videos. It's all free, but it means a lot of work in our spare time. So don't get me wrong, we enjoy sharing our AWS knowledge with you. Have you learned something new by reading, listening or watching our content? If so, we kindly ask you to support us in producing high quality and independent AWS content. Please visit cloudonaut.io slash support us for details. So the question is, what's the subject of um, today's episode? And what I'm going to present you today is um, seven things to do after you launch an EC2 instance. So not before, um, it is really uh, after you launch the instance. So let me give you a quick overview over the seven things and then we will dive into the details and look at each of them individually. So first um, recommendation is configuring remote access over SSM session session manager. So this um, replaces uh, usually SSH and also the, the like the usual RDP access for Windows machines. The second tip is that you should backup your data with AWS Backup, so enable that. Um, third tip is install patches on a schedule using SSM Patch Manager. Again, this works with Linux and Windows. And it, it like most of the stuff I'm going to talk about also works with macOS instances, by the way, so just in case you're using them. Um, the next tip is that you should configure the CloudWatch agent to ship logs, disk and memory metrics to CloudWatch. And kind of uh, the next step here is to add then CloudWatch alarms um, for alerting and also for instance recovery. So the next tip is that you should disable IMDS version 1 uh, to prevent a like capital 1 like data breach. Um, so we will talk about the details here in in a couple of minutes and then last but not least um, you should schedule regular software scans uh, on your machine to detect um, vulnerabilities with um, inspector. So that's our list. Um, we are going to look at each of those items now. So um, let's get started. The days where you connected to a virtual machine using SSH or RDP directly are kind of gone. Um, with uh, AWS Systems Manager Session Manager, you can now connect to an EC2 instance without inbound network connectivity. The way it works is that um, there is an SSM agent running on your EC2 instance and the agent is pre-installed in Amazon Linux, um, Ubuntu, macOS, and Windows server images. So if you use one of those images, it is already installed, otherwise you have to install it. And the agent accesses the AWS API, and that's all you need. You need outbound access to the AWS API, and if you don't have an internet gateway, um, you can do that with um, VPC endpoints. Uh, so without a public IP address, uh, you could still interface uh, with the SSM API that is required. So 
two ways of using Session Manager. And one is to connect to an instance uh, directly from the AWS console. And this works with um, like getting a terminal, um, like a bash terminal or a PowerShell terminal. So this is not a graphical kind of user interface, it's a terminal. Um, but this works out of the box in the AWS console, which is quite nice. So you just click the connect button um, and then you are um, able to type commands and run them on the machine. The other approach, and I think this is more interesting for Windows machines, uh, if you want to get um, the full UI access uh, to the server, like using RDP, um, what you do is you uh, do port forwarding. So you you forward port um, three or three three eight nine from the server to some open port on your local machine, and then you connect with your RDP client to localhost, and then the the port that you that you configured for the port forwarding. And this way, you get an RDP session into your server without a direct connection to the server, which is pretty cool. And I was kind of surprised how well it works. So there's um, no latency that you kind of. Uh, or at least I was not experiencing any latency um, using it. So I, I was kind of surprised by that. So that's the first tip, um, SSM Session Manager. Um, keep in mind that um, um, the, the agent has root access. So if you enable all your um, IAM users and IAM roles, access to SSM Session Manager, they can connect to any EC2 instance in your account with uh, the root user. Uh, so keep that in mind. So you might want to restrict that um, if, if you want to um, kind of have control of who is allowed to um, be root on which um, EC2 instance. So the second tip, uh, second, second tip is about backing up your data. And if your EC2 instance is what we call mutable, so you install something and then it's running and you make some changes, it's still running and it runs for years, um, then you definitely want to back up um, the instance. And the easiest way these days to do that is uh, AWS Backup. So this protects you from human error. So uh, imagine someone uh, just changes the configuration in a way that kind of breaks the system or someone accidentally types uh, remove um, slash and then just gets rid of all the data. Um, so that happens from time to time, right? Uh, so and this is um, a good time to have a backup. And also there could be hardware failures. So sometimes um, a, a EC2 instance or an EBS volume just is not working anymore and you have to move on to another one. And without a backup, that's very painful. So one warning here, um, AWS Backup only backs up EBS volumes attached to your EC2 instance, not the instance store um, that is uh, or that could be attached to your instance, depending on the instance type. So keep that in mind. If you have never heard about instance store, then uh, you don't, you likely don't use them. So uh, you are fine. Also, something important to keep in mind is that AWS Backups creates what AWS calls a crash-consistent backup for Linux and Mac OS. Um, so basically, this means you shouldn't back or you shouldn't rely on the backup for heavily modified files. So, for example, if you back up a database this way, this is likely not going to work. Uh, so be uh, careful here. So if you, for example, have a database running on the machine, the recommendation is to use the database tool to create the backup and store it on the EBS volume and then create a snapshot of the whole thing using AWS backup. So that should work better. Um, a good news is for Windows users, um, Windows backups are application consistent because they use a technology from Microsoft called VSS. So if you are running on Windows, you don't have to worry about that at all. Um, 
Yeah, that's great. Um, by the way, if you're interested in any of the details in how to configure that, how to enable that, um, there is a blog post um, that covers the same topic um, and you will find all the links in that in that uh, blog post. So if you are interested in any of these uh, things, like trying them out, then, then I would recommend that you check out the blog post and, and click the links there. Uh, much easier to kind of click on a link in on a website than in the podcast, right? So next uh, next tip is um, you should um, install patches on a schedule and there is SSM patch manager for that. And what it does is you can configure a so-called maintenance window and you probably know that from services like RDS. Uh, so in RDS, you also configure a maintenance window. You also configure, for example, a backup window. And during this window, which is usually like a one or two hour slot, um, and, and the patch manager will then... Um, go and apply all the patches. It also tracks and displays all the installed patches so you get an overview of what's going on. So it also kind of keeps an inventory of all the uh, the things that are installed on a machine. So that's very handy and it, it works with um, many operating systems. So if you're interested in the details, uh, check out the blog post again here. It works with all those AMIs that I um, um, mentioned before where the SSM agent is installed by default. And of course, this also requires the SSM agent uh, to work. And so just a reminder here. So next thing is um, we should configure the CloudWatch agent. And this is a different agent, so it's not the SSM agent, it's the CloudWatch agent uh, to ship our logs and disk and memory metrics to CloudWatch. Because by default, um, your EC2 instance reports things like CPU utilization to CloudWatch, but it does not report any information about memory or disk utilization. So that is actually a problem because, I mean, memory and disk utilization is important. So you definitely want to know if you run out of disk space and you also want to know if your system is um, kind of running out of memory and is paging. Uh, so that's um, important to know as well. So what I also recommend is that you stream the locks uh, to a central system uh, to make them searchable, uh, also to securely archive them. So instead of storing them on the machine only, kind of move them to a different place. Uh, so uh, you might heard about the Elk stacks, things like that. Um, with CloudWatch, we kind of get the same functionality. And what the CloudWatch agent does is it ships metrics and locks uh, to CloudWatch. So that's basically all it does. Um, so what we need to do is we need to configure it and we need to install it and then we can run it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of it. Um, um, but, um, if you're not doing it, you will not see any memory or disk metrics of your instance. And that's a problem because in the next step, um, we want to add alarms for those metrics because we want to get alerted if we are running out of, um, or if we are running into any resource constraints. On top of that, we can make use of a feature called instance recovery in combination with a CloudWatch alarm, and we will talk about that as well now. So first, let's look into the resource constraints. So when you start a virtual machine, so this is not an infinite kind of uh, resource. It is restricted and constrained in many ways. So for example, your CPU is restricted, um, the memory is restricted, the disk is restricted, also your network throughput is restricted. So what we recommend is that you create uh, monitoring for all the resources that are constrained um, because those are potential bottlenecks in your system. So if the system slows down, uh, you would then notice that up front and you can, for example, change the instance type or something like this uh, to kind of prevent any issues in the future with uh, from a performance perspective. So 
The big problem here is, okay, what actually happens if you reach a threshold? Uh, so you need to alert someone. And there are a couple of options here. So you, one of the easiest options is uh, that's provided out of the box. Um, you can send an email. So this could be um, like a single person email, which is not recommended. So it could be your team email address, something like that. Um, there's also AWS Chatbot. Um, with AWS Chatbot, you can send a message to Slack, uh, into your Slack channel. Um, and of course, what we recommend is that you use our Chatbot Marbot. Um, so Marbot doesn't only um, kind of deliver the alerts into your Slack or Microsoft Teams um, chat. Uh, it also helps you to configure the monitoring and solve the incident. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, feel free to check that out as well. So what we can also do with a CloudWatch Alarm, and that's also very powerful, uh, is that we create a so-called uh, recovery action. And we trigger the recovery action if the status check failed system metric um, goes off. It basically switches from, from zero to one. And what instance recovery does, it, it moves the virtual machine, uh, your EC2 instance, to another hypervisor in, uh, in case of hardware issues. And the cool thing is it doesn't change the metadata of the instance at all. So the instance ID stays the same, IP address stays the same, the tag stays the same. So everything is the same, but the instance is still working because it was uh, kind of migrated from one hypervisor to another hypervisor. It still runs in the same availability zone, keep that in mind, um, but... Um, if there are issues with the hypervisor, and that happens very rarely, but it can happen, then you are kind of protected from that problem and it will resolve the problem automatically for you. And that's always very handy. Next tip is about um, IMDS version 2. So what does IMDS actually mean? It is the instance metadata service. And the instance metadata service um, is... Um, Reachable under an IP address, it's 169.254, 169.254, and you might interact with it to get your instance ID or things like that. But it can also be used to get the IAM credentials of, like the short-lived IAM credentials of the IAM role that's attached to an instance. And that is a very handy feature because, for example, if you use the AWS CLI on your instance, you don't have to worry about copying credentials onto the machine because it just works out of the box. But there's one problem. If you accidentally expose this IP address to the outside world, so for example, if you if you install a proxy on your machine and you proxy the IP address, um, the, the instance metadata service, and make it accessible from the outside world, then you are in trouble because then anyone can kind of access the instance metadata service of this instance. And that's bad. And actually, the people at One Capital did exactly that, and that's why an attacker got access to the AWS environment. And after that, uh, AWS announced IMDS uh, version 2. And with IMDS version 2, it's a little bit harder to accidentally uh, expose the instance metadata service to the outside world. Uh, it's not impossible, but it is um, much more complicated, I would say. So what you do is um, when you launch your instance, you can disable it, uh, or um, IMDS version 1. Or after you launch your instance, you can also disable it. Um, so um, unfortunately, you can only disable it after launch using the CLI. So there's no graphical user interface for that at the moment. Um, but um, if you are familiar with AWS Cloud Shell, so this is one of the icons in the top navigation bar, um, you get a very quick access to the AWS CLI without installing it locally. And you can just issue the command and then the instance uh, is configured to disable IMDS version 1. So that's 
something that we recommend. We also have a blog post about how to transition from IMDS version 1 to version 2 if you are like uh, making heavy use of it. And we have a couple of tips and pitfalls um, documented. So uh, check that out if you are interested in that. All right, last but not least, uh, we want to schedule regular software scans to detect vulnerabilities. And there's a service for that. It's called Amazon Inspector. Um, and it does three things. Uh, it does actually a little bit more than we actually need. Um, so it scans our software, so that's important. It also checks for unintended network accessibility. Um, I mean, it's nice to have uh, from, from my perspective. And it also checks for deviations from best practices. So for example, if that depends on the operating system that you use, but it usually checks against the, the sys catalog. Uh, so you get many, 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 many recommendations about how to configure your ECT like the operating system. Um, I don't like them very much. So what I what I like is that I can see if my system is up to date, if all the libraries are up to date, all the software components are up to date. Uh, I don't like all the other functionalities of the X inspector, but yeah, keep that in mind. It it comes up, um, it comes with it, so you can still have a look at the data. So yeah, basically what you get is you get uh, you can kind of ensure by having inspector running, you can kind of ensure that your update process is working, because if your update processing is is working, inspector should not find anything. Um, so that's kind of the idea here. So that's it. Uh, so those are seven tips. And you might uh, think, okay, that's actually a lot of work. And I agree. Um, so if you do that with every easy 2 instance that you launch, then um, this is actually taking a couple of hours, uh, I would uh, um, say for each instance. So what you can do is uh, automate all the steps. And that's actually what we did for you. Uh, we have a CloudFormation template in our catalog of CloudFormation templates, like the open source CloudFormation templates. Uh, to spin up an EC2 instance, and it comes with all the uh, things implemented except for Amazon Inspector, uh, so that's not yet included. So that would be the only step that you still have to do. Um, and yeah, if you are interested in uh, kind of automating all the steps and make sure that they are always implemented in the same way, uh, look at our CloudFormation template. It will save you a lot of time uh, in, by just, uh, yeah, configuring everything in code and then you can apply it. So that's it. Um, launching an EC2 instance takes minutes, um, but um, yeah, making it secure and also kind of keeping it secure is a little bit more difficult. But with the correct settings, uh, you can actually securely run the virtual machine uh, without much ongoing effort. So that's kind of the key point here. Um, yeah, besides everything that I told you, keep in mind that there are some settings that you cannot change after instance launch and therefore they are not in scope in, in, in like what I told you. So for example, uh, EBS volume encryption, also the VPC subnet that you choose. So those are all decisions that you have to make before you launch the instance. And they are, I don't, I'm not saying that they are not important. Uh, they are just not in scope in, in what I uh, covered here because I only talk about things that you can do after launch. Um, I also not talking about the obvious candidates, so uh, security group rules and IEM policies. So they are also important, of course, um, but uh, I think they are uh, kind of, uh, or many, many people talk about them, so that's why I haven't covered them here. So I was kind of uh, interested in the more uh, niche things to do that are important and that probably not everyone is aware of. So yeah, 
that's it. Uh, that was my uh, my little checklist um, about uh, seven things to do after you launch an EC2 instance. Um, and I hope you, you learned something here. Um, and if you learned something new, then uh, I... I hope you tell your friends and co-workers about it. Uh, so share this podcast episode uh, with them. And also, uh, please uh, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find our contact details in the show notes. So if you uh, have feedback for us, um, you will find all the details uh, there to reach us. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will be back in about a month. Uh, have a great, a great day. Bye.